Political scientists have increasingly been drawing on a broader interdisciplinary literature on cognition, psychology and physiology. A growing body of literature demonstrates a connection between physiological processes and political attitudes. Individual ideological development depends on a complex interaction between social and biological factors. Yet, the results emerging from this field have yet to be fully integrated into our understanding of public opinion. How and why do individuals develop different political attitudes? Our next guest is Dr. Bert Bakker, assistant professor at the University of Amsterdam School of Communication Research. So as an assistant professor, I teach and I do research and most of my research, I'm trying to figure out how people arrive at their opinions about politics. And I basically am interested in two factors. It's basically the information people receive and how that interacts with the dispositions, the psychological makeup of people. So how do what, who you are psychologically and the information that you receive jointly make what you, how you perceive the political world. As part of the conference, Dr. Backer presented a paper, The Affective Roots of Partisanship, Physiological and Self-Reported Responses to Politicians and Parties. The paper is about a question, if, if we think about how often how we talk about politics in contemporary societies, I limit Western societies, but in the US, not super familiar with Canada, but Western Europe, um, there's a lot of people are emotionally involved in politics. They, 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 they are attached to groups, and especially in the US, uh, people are, uh, we, we, there's a lot of talks about the polarization in society. So people have grown attached to groups, their parties, and, and, and these parties are increasingly uh, opposite of each other. And, and our paper is about the question is, is that what is it when we ask people about how they feel towards politics, is that do they really, do they say that they feel an emotion or do they actually experience the physiological sort of bodily responses to politics? And that's important because um, we're, as I said, in contemporary societies, a lot of talks about, to, when we're talking about polarization, the, often the assumed argument is that people have an emotional investment in the groups they belong to. So you're either Democrat or Republican, you're pro-Brexit or anti-Brexit, you're pro-EU or anti-EU, and, and, so, and that's often been associated with the fact that you're emotionally involved. And we, as often with scientists, you, we wonder, is that actually really the case? And so that, that was the present, that's, that's what my pr project is about. Political discourses are usually written to generate emotions among voters. Many partisans seem to be emotionally involved in politics. However, Dr. Backer explains that the physiological response might not always be the one we expect. If people say they feel emotions, do they really feel emotions? And how do political scientists measure these emotions? Yeah, so um, often how we uh, do research is that we uh, either talk to people or we do surveys. And in surveys we could ask like, well, you know, what is the party you prefer? And, and then we could ask, like, how, how do you feel towards a politician of that party? So how would you feel towards Justin Trudeau? And you could say, you know, you're very warm or very cold, or you could say I'm angry or anxious about him. Um, and, and the advantage of that is that we can have, uh, we can do this quickly, we can do this at large scale. You don't have to go and you, you can send surveys to people. 
but the work that I'm increasingly doing is actually uh, partly uh, in labs, so psychology labs essentially, uh, because I don't only want to ask people what they think and feel about politicians and politics, but I also want to, um, want to measure how they, their body is responding. And that's based on, um, um, on, on a basically psychophysiological processes, and that's a difficult word, but it basically what we're measuring is uh, arousal. And so arousal in the word, in, as we use it in normal language, you're aroused, and that could be both positive and negative. You could be aroused by the fact that you meet somebody that you like. But you could also be aroused by something, hearing something you completely disagree with when you're angry. And essentially, arousal is a fight or flight response. Your body is preparing to get at things, which could be both positive and negative. In order to distinguish the negative positivity, we're, um, we're also measuring uh, uh, the valence dimension. And we do that. Uh, um, uh, we, we're trying to measure negative effect in particular in this, in this, uh, in this project. And so what we do is we get people in the lab and we hook biosensors to their body. Um, because it's hard to tell how, how aroused you are. At least you could say, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of aroused or not, but it's really difficult to have a sense of like, how active is my autonomic nervous system at the moment. Um, so what we're doing is we're placing electrodes. So arousal is measured uh, using something called skin conductance. So when, the, um, when you get aroused, uh, ecran glands in, uh, open and these secrete a little bit of fluid. And you have a lot of ecran glands, for instance, in your fingertips. There are other parts of the body as well. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, among other, uh, your hand palms, under uh, your armpits, under your feet. And the hand is pretty easy. It's not so invasive. And so we place uh, two electrodes on the fingertips. And basically, what we know from electricity is that it's better conducted when there's more fluid. So there's a tiny bit of electrical current through, running through the electrodes. And if you get more aroused, there's more secretion from fluid from the ecran glands. And we get better conductance. So we see an increase in the skin conductance levels. And that um, creates uh, what we see then as a measure. It's like, hey, we see an increase in arousal. Um, that's how we measure arousal. So people come in. We connect the biosense to the fingertips. Negative effect, we, in this project, we measure two components. We measure the corrugator, which is a muscle just above your eyebrow. So if you frown, you can actually feel it. And so we place electrodes on top of it. And again, we measure sort of the contraction, so the electrical activity of the muscle. And we measure a second muscle, which is next to the nose, sort of in the middle of your nose, and it's called the, the levator labi. That's a muscle that's known to be activated when people experience disgust. So if you see something very disgusting, you, you, you get your, your lip goes up a little bit, and that's partly been that labileviator is doing part of the action there. So you, it's a bit invasive because you have these measures on your face. And, um, and so then you're connected uh, to, to, these, uh, to these biosensors, and then the lab protocol, as we call it, starts, where we give people uh, we stuff to watch, and we let them listen to things. And in this particular project, we gave them, and this, we did this in the United States at uh, a lab at, uh, in Philadelphia. We gave people what we call strong partisan cues. And so what are strong partisan cues? We found that would be images of politicians, so well-known politicians in the US. And basically, they were, um, we had 10 of them. We chose 
five Democrats and five Republicans, obviously Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, George Bush, but also a little bit less known Republicans and Democrats, such as uh, 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 Tim Kaine on the Democratic side, Nikki Haley on the Republican side, to see if it matters if you know the politician or not. Because if, you're not seen, if you don't know who the person is, you can't experience negative effect, obviously, towards that person. And so people were sitting in a, in a cubicle connected to the biosensors and then say, well, you're going to see a couple of images. Uh, just look at them. And basically, you get to see a blank, a blank screen uh, and, uh, for, for 12 seconds. And then randomly, one of the 10 pictures is shown up at the screen. And so if people experience negative effects or get aroused from these images, we should see uh, uh, an increase in the activity of some more sweat secretion. You should see more frowning or a little bit of activity next to the muscle, next to your nose. And we would see that as a sign, it's like, hey, people are responding to the uh, politician. That's the sort of the physiological component. We also asked them afterwards first, who is this politician? Mm -hmm. So they had to watch to the politician for 12 seconds. And say, like, who is this politician? could choose out of multiple options. And then we ask, like, how do you feel towards this politician? And so we, uh, we, 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 uh, we ask them to indicate this on a scale from very cold to very warm. So that's basically the sign of, the, of how we study this. Since the reactions and emotions are monitored in a lab context, what are the results? Is there a big difference between what people say and what people actually feel? Dr. Backer explains the surprising results he gathers so far. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, so we expected that people would respond with more around, with especially with negative, so more corrugator activity and more labi activity in response to politicians of the opposing party. That's what we call the out party. So if you're a Republican, that's the Democratic candidates. If you're uh, a Democrat, you, that's the Republican candidates, politicians. Um, when we ask about how people say they feel towards these politicians, we find exactly that. So the, when you see an out-party politician, you evaluate that, uh, that, that, that out-party politician 21 percentage points less positive, so colder, than uh, your in-party, your preferred. So that's, um, that's, a, that's a big effect in, in social science research. Um, this effect is amplified the stronger you identify with the party. So if you're a strong Republican or strong Democrat, you say, like, this is really important for me, then it's obviously a stronger effect than if you're like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm a Republican, but ah, it doesn't, it's not so important for me that I'm a Republican. Obviously, if you um, don't know the politician, then your partisanship has no effect on your rating because you just don't know. You see a person you don't know. So you can't... Evaluate. If you know the politician, we see a strong, like, yeah, that in the 20 percentage points uh, difference. This is all with the self-report, so the cognitive emotional uh, reports. And, and this is all in line with what we, how we've been talking about politics. So we expected to see physiological responses. What we find is absolutely nothing. And, and um, <laughs> this, is, uh, this, this was um, surprising at first. Uh, so what we so there's not more activity of the corrugator, so negative effect. Not more activity of the labi in response to out-party politicians. People also don't get more aroused from either the in-party versus the out-party. Um, and obviously, initially, I was disappointed. But I well, actually disappointed. I 
my thinking about this has changed over the last year, two years, and perhaps it's it's actually really interesting that people say that they are that they feel negative towards politicians of the opposing team, but physiologically they're not responding because. We're, we're talking a lot in both in academia, but you can open an average newspaper in a Western European country and there's a lot of like, citizens are angry at the opposing team there. And, and this might, this, this is a, what our study suggests, is at least not a core physiological response to the opposing team. They, so the question is, what is then the, the self-reported cognitive emotional uh, response to these politicians that might be partly signaling. So you might be signaling like you're you're from the opposing team. I don't like you. That's one that's one question. That's one alternative. But it might also suggest that the role of core effect in in evaluating politicians is is less important than we might have initially thought it was. And I'm of the opinion that null findings are really important if they're crafted well. Uh, and I think this study was crafted well and analyzed appropriately um, obviously we still have to you know it's not it's a working paper it's not been published so there's you know the usual caveats there but I think it's it's it has interesting implications for our understanding of the role of emotions in politics and and I think that's why I was happy to also I think it's good to talk about this because it 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 raises obviously new questions about how do these physiological processes play a role in politics? If, if so, if if it's not directly affected when when we are just seeing a strong partisan cue, because you could think like, an image of Donald Trump is a pretty strong partisan cue at the moment, or Hillary Clinton, and it's strong enough for people to basically. Um, say their self-reports are exactly in line with what, their, um, what, what you would expect based on, on earlier findings and how we talk about it in, in, in how, how pundits talk about it. It's you know, politicians of the other team are bad and you feel bad about them. But in the lab, at least in our study, we had over 200 people in the lab. We can't find evidence for that. Surprisingly, even if people expressed feeling emotions towards political images, there was no physiological response. As Dr. Bakker explains, this result is extremely interesting and encourages political scientists to think about the role of emotions in politics. Also, conducting the study in a lab in a very controlled environment might have had an impact on people's emotional reaction. There's definite downsides to doing this in a lab. You're in a, in a very controlled environment with, um, with, with, with uh, relatively uh, the advantage of using images is that it's super controlled. There's nothing moving. But perhaps in order to get physiologically aroused, you might need to hear and almost feel the out party. But I would say this. The images are strong enough to get people to say that they dislike it. Yeah. So that means at least that the images don't, uh, the images don't get people into physiologically to respond. It might still be that obviously if it, I'm not extrapolating these findings to say what happens when you're at a campaign rally. But let's also be honest, like for a lot of people, they don't, they don't go to events where politicians are. Obviously TV is different and that's more probably where we get exposed to politicians. But in that sense, this is also a bit of a micro level study, as we would say, we're trying to figure out how it works. But obviously we ha the limitation is that this null finding for the physiological responses 
is there for images. And we don't know what it happens when we would use video. The downside of videos is that we get more moving parts. So we, we lack control over what politicians say. So they will always speak about different things. And that means that if we get physiological responses, people would say, yeah, but is it now because you, they hear the voice? Or is it because the content? So think about Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. If they both speak about immigration, they have very different directions on how they speak about immigration. And that could, you could both get physiological responses for different reasons, for many different reasons. So that makes the design harder. But things that are hard, we shouldn't shy away from. In that sense, this is a first step for a broader research agenda. Yeah. Even if the controlled environment of the lab might have had an impact on people's emotional reactions, the people still said that they were aroused by the pictures they were seeing. The study used images. Maybe in the future, other studies will try to use videos of politicians. Dr. Backer explains how this study helps reframing how we understand the relationship between emotions and politics. Computer techniques might allow you to actually standardize some things. Uh, 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 you know, that actually, I'm not sure if I'm going to do that project, but you know, maybe other, I definitely stimulate other people to go think in that direction. Um, as all research projects, they take time and they're hard, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't shy away from doing things that are difficult. Um, I do think that this is an important step in trying, you know, it at least should temper the enthusiasm for the way we talk about um, about the role of affect in politics a little bit in the sense that the physiological measures we employed are at least when we give people images, but strong partisan cues, they don't seem to get people aroused. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, I think that's a, as with science, 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 like this is a small contribution to a broader debate and other people can build on this. And I think that's, that's, that, that, that's how, uh, how science should evolve. We want to thank Professor Bert Bakker for having taken the time to speak with us and for opening a discussion about how we perceive emotions in relation to politics. Thank you for listening. For the CSDC podcast, I am Esther Armeniak. See you next time.